on Christ podcast. Um, as always, just a reminder that I have the email founded on Christ podcast at gmail.com where you can send in your testimonies of Christ or your witnesses uh, of uh, any other doctrinal aspect and how it relates to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Um, today, there's going to be a little bit of reading. I'm going to give a little warning here up front, but uh, I have been very directed today into what it is that I want and need to share. Um, I guess to preface this, uh, I'm going to start in Ether chapter 8. I'm going to start in verse 18, and we're really just going to go to the end of the chapter here. Um, anyone who's uh, got a little bit of a spot-on scriptural reference in their brain, they're going to know that this is a section where Moroni is discussing secret combinations. And that is going to be the topic today, but specifically how it relates to us as members of the church. Um, I know there is, there is widespread application on what the term secret combination means today. Uh, I've heard it from everything from gangs, you know, the Bloods and the Crips, all the way up to uh, corruption, you know, in the highest echelons of government. And uh, depending on who you talk to, you'll get varying amounts of belief in that. Uh, but I think it is very important to re- realize that Moroni not only spoke to us as the future uh, inhabitants of this land, but he also spoke to us as members of the church the members who had uh, received the Book of Mormon through a restored uh, prophet, through the restored priesthood of that prophet, and that we had organized ourselves as a church, and that these comments, not only directed to the nation and the world in general, but specifically to those of us who are believers in Christ and who have received these things. And so I'm going to read this, and then, well, I'll go from there. Ether chapter 8, verse 18. And it came to pass that they formed a secret combination, even as they of old, which combination is most abominable and wicked above all in the sight of God. For the Lord worketh not in secret combinations, neither doth he that man should shed blood, but in all things hath forbidden it from the beginning of man. And now I, Moroni, do not write the manner of their oaths and combinations, for it hath been made known unto me that they are had among all people. They are had among the Lamanites, and they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am now speaking, and also the destruction of the people of Nephi. I think it's very important that he says, I do not need to talk about the specifics of this because it is had among everybody. Not only do I not want to perpetuate these things, but I do not have to describe it to you because you are experiencing it. And whatsoever nation shall uphold such secret combinations to get power and gain until they shall spread over the nation, behold, they shall be destroyed. For the Lord will not suffer the blood of the saints, which shall be shed by them, shall always cry unto him from the ground for vengeance upon them, and yet he avenged them not. Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be known, be, be known, shown unto you. 
that thereby you may repent of your sins and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you, which are built to get power and gain, and the work, yea, even the work of destruction come upon you. Even the sword of the justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction, if ye shall suffer these things to be. Wherefore the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things come among you, that ye shall awake to the sense of your awful situation, because of the secret combinations which shall be among you, or woe be, unto you, un, be it unto you, because of the blood of them who have been slain, for they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it, and also upon those who build it up. For it cometh to pass that whoso buildeth it up, seek, buildeth it up, seeketh to overthrow the freedom of all lands, nations, countries, and it bringeth to pass the destruction of all people. For it is built by the devil, who is the father of all lies, even the same liar who beguiled our first parents, and even the same liar who hath caused man to commit murder from the beginning, who hath hardened the hearts of men that they have murdered the prophets, stoned them, and cast them out from the beginning. Wherefore I, Moroni, am commanded to write these things, that evil may be done away, that the time may come that Satan may have no power upon the hearts of the children of men, but that they may be persuaded to do good continually, that they may come unto the fountain of all righteousness and be saved. I love Moroni's boldness. I love, if you look, he uses a lot of absolute statements in here. All you will, these things this is not wishy-washy, you know, possibilities. He is saying that he has seen these things and he knows that it is among us. And like I said, he is talking specifically to us as members of the church of the Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to all restoration branches who broke off from Joseph. This is something directly to each and every one of us. And unfortunately, I see a prevailing thought among the members of the church that we are protected from this. That because there is a prophet and 12 apostles that our church is, is void of any sort of corruption or secret combination. Well, many of you may or may not be aware of the Glenn Pace memo. This was a memo that Glenn L. Pace, who was a counselor in the, the presiding bishopric at the time, it was July 19th, I think, of 1980, no, 1990. And he gave, he was tasked to go and seek out whether or not allegations of some of these things that have been said in the church were true. And he reported this back in a memo given to the church. Now, unfortunately, this memo was given... It was commissioned by Ezra Taft Benson, and when this memo was given back, Ezra Taft Benson's health rapidly started declining after this memo was turned in, and it is unclear or unsure what action was taken after this was turned in. But this memo has surfaced, and many people talk about it. I am going to read it. I've had the very direct counsel from the Lord that this is something that needs to be read word for word all the way through on this podcast as defenders and followers of Jesus Christ, which then makes us defenders of our children, of the goodness and righteousness in the church. It is very important that we understand that we are not immune to these secret combinations here within our own church. 
And so I'm going to read this and I'm going to give fair warning. Uh, this, you're going to hear similar things as what you hear in the Book of Mormon as what's being, uh, done. And this was back in the nineties. Uh, we have every reason according to the scriptures to believe that it has become worse since then as we grow closer to the end times and as the wheat and the tares separate even farther and the gulf that divides them uh, begins to widen in preparation for the coming of our Savior. So, pursuant, oh, and I, sorry, I should say that this was given, uh, this memo was sent to the, the Committee of Strengthening Church Members Committee, committee, and it was on the subject of ritualistic child abuse but it also extends into, like I said, the secret combinations. Pursuant to the committee's request, I am writing this memorandum to pass along what I've learned about ritualistic child abuse. Hopefully it will be of some value to you as you continue to monitor the problem. You have already received the LDS Services Report on Satanism dated May 24th, 1989, a report from Brent Ward, and a memorandum from myself dated October 20th, 1989, in response to Brother Ward's report, saying that, they had rumblings of these things before, and this is in response to that. Therefore, I will limit this writing to information not contained in those papers. I have met with 60 victims. The number could be twice or three times as many if I did not discipline myself to only one meeting per week. I have not wanted my involvement with this issue to become a handicap in fulfilling my assigned responsibilities. On the other hand, I felt someone needed to pay the price to obtain an intellectual and spiritual conviction as to the seriousness of this problem within the church. Of the 60 victims with whom I have met, 53 are female, 7 are male, 8 are children. The abuse occurred in the following places. Utah, 37. Idaho, 3. California, 4. Mexico, 2. Other places, 14. 53 victims are currently living in the state of Utah. All 60 individuals are members of the church. 45 victims allege witnessing and are participating in human sacrifice. The majority were abused by relatives, often their parents. All have developed psychological problems, and most have been diagnosed as having multiple personality disorder or some other form of dissociative disorder. Ritualistic child abuse is the most hideous of all child abuse. The basic objective is premeditated to systematically and methodically torture and terrorize children until they are forced to disassociate. The torture is not a consequence of the loss of temper, but the execution of a well-planned, well-thought-out rituals often performed by close relatives. The only escape for the children is to disassociate. They will develop a new personality, to enable them to endure the various forms of abuse. When the episode is over, the core personality is again in control and the individual, individual is not conscious of what happened. Disassociation also serves the purposes of the occult because the children have no day-to-day -day memory of the atrocities. They go through adolescence and early adulthood with no active memory of what is taking place. Oftentimes they continue in rituals through their teens and early 20s unaware of their involvement. Many individuals with whom I have spoken have served missions. It has not been until later that they began to remember. One individual has memories of participating in rituals while serving as a full-time missionary. The victims lead relatively normal lives, but the memories are locked up in a compartment in their minds and surface in various ways. They don't know how to cope with the emotions because they cannot find the source. 
As they become adults and move into other in another environment, something triggers the memories and consequently flashbacks and, and or nightmares occur. One day they will have been living a normal life and the next day they will be in a mental hospital in a fetal position. The memories of their early childhood are recalled in so much detail that they once again feel the pain they cause, that caused the dissociation in the first place. There are two reasons why adults can remember with such detailed detail events that happened in their past. First, the terror they experienced was so stark it was indelibly placed in their mind. Second, the memory was compartmentalized in a certain portion of the mind and was not subject to the dilution of experiences of ensuing years. When it is tapped, it is as fresh as it happened yesterday. The memories seem to come in layers. For example, the first memory might be of incest. Then they remember robes and candles. Next, they realize that their father or mother or both were present when they were being abused. Another layer will be the memory of seeing other people hurt or, and even killed. Then they remember having seen babies killed. Another layer is realizing that they participated in the, in the sacrifices. One of the most painful memories may be that they even sacrificed their own baby. With each layer of memory comes another set of problems which they must, with which they must deal. Some have said that witnesses of this type of treatment cannot be trusted because of the victim's unstable condition and because practically all of them have some kind of disassociative disorder. In fact, the stories are so bizarre as to raise serious credibility questions. The irony is that one of the objectives of the occult is to create multiple personalities within the children in order to keep the quote-unquote secrets. They live in society without society having any idea that something is wrong since the children and teenagers don't even realize there's another life occurring in darkness and in secret. However, when 60 witnesses testify to the same type of torture and murder, it becomes impossible for me personally not to believe them. I mention multiple personalities because the spiritual healing which has taken place in the lives of these victims cannot happen without their priesthood leaders understanding something about it. The spiritual indoctrination which takes place during the physical abuse is one of the most difficult to overcome. In addition to experiencing stark terror and pain, the children are also instructed in satanic doctrine. Everything is completely reversed. White is black, black is white, good is bad, bad is good. Satan is going to rule in the millennium. Children are put in a situation where they believe they are going to die and as being buried alive or being placed in a plastic bag and immersed in water. Prying to doing so, the abuser tells the child to pray to Jesus to see if he will save her. Imagine a seven-year-old girl having been told she's going to die, praying to Jesus to save her, nothing happens. Then at the last moment she is rescued, but the person saving her is a representative of Satan. He uses this experience to convince her that the only person who cares about her is Satan. She is Satan's child, and she must as well become loyal to him. Just before or shortly after their baptism into the church, children are baptized by blood into the satanic order, which is meant to cancel out the baptism into the church. They'll be asked if they understand or have ever felt the Holy Ghost. And then when they reply that they have, they will be reminded of the horrible things they have participated in and will be told that they have become a son or daughter of perdition and therefore have no chance of being saved or loved by our Father in Heaven or Jesus. All of this indoctrination takes place <clears throat> with whichever personality has emerged to endure the physical, mental, and spiritual pain. Consequently, there develops with each of these individuals the makings of what I call a civil war. As the memories begin to surface, there are personalities 
who feel they have given themselves to Satan and there is no hope for forgiveness. The core person is an active member of the church, often with, te- with a temple recommend. As integration takes place, the civil war begins. Sometimes, in an interview, personalities of the dark side have come out. They are they're petrified or perhaps full of hate for me and what I represent. Eventually, those personalities need to be dealt with spiritually and psychologically. Most victims, unfortunately, are suicidal. They have been brainwashed with drugs, hypnosis, and other means to become suicidal as soon as they start to tell the secrets. They have been threatened of all their all their lives that if they do not do what they are told, their brother or sister will die, their parents will die, their house will be burned, or they themselves will be killed. They have every reason to believe it since they have seen people killed. They believe they might as well kill themselves instead of wait for the occult to do it. Some personalities feel that that is the right thing to do. The purpose of this detail is to stress the complexity of psychological and spiritual therapy for these individuals. Our priesthood leaders, when faced with such cases, are understandably at a loss of how to respond. Orthodox counsel is completely ineffective. For example, some victims have been told that this has all happened in their past and that they should put it behind them and get on with their lives. This is not. This is just not possible. Part of the spiritual therapy necessary is for priesthood leaders to assist with the conversion process of personalities who have been indoctrinated into Satanism. Victims must integrate their personalities so that they can function as whole persons and be able to deal with the problems and then get out on with their lives. Often, some of the parts will begin to act, to begin to act out, perhaps promiscuously, promiscuously, and a good-intentioned priesthood holder following the general handbook of instructions will disfellowship or excommunicate an individual. All this does is reinforce the satanic indoctrination of the of the victims that they are no good. I'm sorry to say that many of the victims have had their first flashbacks while attending the temple for the first time. The occult along the Wasatch Front uses the doctrine of the church to their advantage. For example, the verbiage and gestures are used in a ritualistic ceremony in a very debased and often bloody manner. When the victim goes to the temple and hears the exact words, horrible memories are triggered. We have recently been disturbed with members of the church who have talked about the the temple ceremony. Compared to what is happening in in the occult among the Wasatch Front, these are very minor infractions. The perpetrators are also living a dual life. Many are temple recommend holders. This leads to another reason why the church needs to consider the seriousness of these problems. In effect, the church is being used. I go out of my way to not let the victims give me the names of their perpetrators. I have told them that my responsibility is to help them with spiritual healing and that the names of the perpetrators should be given to therapists and law enforcement officers. However, they have told me the positions of the church members who are perpetrators. Among others, there are young women leaders, young men leaders, bishops, a patriarch, a stake president, temple workers, members of the tabernacle choir. And unfortunately, uh, there's been a redacted portion of this and there are higher uh, callings, positions that are implicated, but those were redacted. So we don't have those full lists. These accusations are not coming from individuals who think they recognize someone, but from those who have been abused by people they know, in many cases their own family members. Whatever the form of abuse, our main concern is for the victims, but but there are legal ramifications. We are disturbed 
to receive reports that a scoutmaster has abused the boys in his troop. It is not difficult to imagine what would happen if we learned that a bishop or stake president has participated in the abominations of ritualistic child abuse. Not only do some of the perpetrators represent a cross-section of the Mormon culture, but sometimes the abuse has taken place in our own meeting houses. I don't pretend to know how prevalent the problem is. All I know is that I have met with 60 victims. Assuming each one comes from a coven of 13, we're talking about the involvement of 800 or so right here on the Wasatch Front. Obviously, I have only seen those coming forth to help. They are in their 20s or 30s for the most part. I can only assume that it is expanding geometrically and am horrified at the numbers represented by the generation who are now children and teenagers. Another reason for, reason for concern is that there are several doctrinal issues that need to be resolved. The church and society in general are very skeptical as to whether the occult and its activities do exist. There is no first presidency statement relative to some of the, of the doctrinal issues. What does a priesthood leader tell individuals who come forward and say they have participated in these rituals, which may include human sacrifice? Should they have, temple, should they have a temple recommend? Will they ever be forgiven? There are questions regarding free agency and accountability. It is a person who has been is a person who has been raised in an occult <clears throat> in, in an occult from infancy accountable for things that take place in a disassociated state, even though those acts were committed after the age of eight. I have formed my own opinions to these questions and have done the best I can. However, I do not have the mantle to make these doctrinal and policy decisions. I have relied on the mantle of, of a bishop regarding discernment being a common judge. The few priesthood leaders who have had to face these issues are crying out for help because they do not want to give their own opinions and that there is no place to go for an answer. A bishop will go to his stake president who says he doesn't believe it's happening and that member is just crazy. The stake president might go to an area presidency who will react in a similar way. Most people are afraid to surface, to surface it to the first presidency for fear of getting the same reaction and don't want to appear crazy themselves for asking questions. I hope you'll excuse me if I'm being presumptuous, but I am concluding this paper with scriptures. I feel support my belief that these activities are real and cannot be ignored. These things I have, I have been writing about go back to Cain and Abel. Moses 5, 29, 31. And Satan said unto Cain, Swear unto me by, by thy throat, and if thou tell it, thou shalt die, and swear thy brethren by their heads, and by the living God, and they tell it not. For if they tell it, they shall surely die. And this is that thy father may know it, and this day I will deliver thy brother Abel into thy hands. And Satan sware unto Cain that he would do according to his commands, and all these things were done in secret. And Cain said, Truly I am Mahan, the master of this great secret. I may murder and get gain. Wherefore Cain was called Master Mahan, and he gloried in his wickedness. All of these experiences I have heard about have to do with secrecy, swearing not to tell, murdering to get gain and power. Moses 5, 50-51, quote, Wherefore, Lamech being angry, and I should mention here, Lamech is the first recorded person uh, in the Bible to practice polygamy. Wherefore, Lamech being angry, slew him, not like unto Cain his brother Abel, for the sake of getting gain, but he slew him for oath's sake. For from, that, from the days of Cain there was a secret combination, and their works were in the dark, and they, and they knew every man his brother, end quote. And then in Moses 6.15, we learn that as people begin to fill the earth, so do these secret works. Quote, and the children of men were numerous upon the face of the land. And in those days, Satan had great dominion among them and raged in their hearts. And from thenceforth came wars and bloodshed. A man's hand was against his own brother 
in administering death because of secret works seeking for power, end quote. The Book of Mormon is replete with descriptions of these secret murders combinations, as well as prophecies that they will be with us. 2 Nephi 9.9, quote, And our spirits must have become like unto him, and we became devils, angels to a devil, to be shut out from the presence of our God, and to remain with the Father of lies and misery like unto himself. Yea, to that being who beguiled our first parents, who transformeth himself nigh unto an angel of light, and stirreth up the children of men unto secret combinations of murder, and of all manner of secret works of darkness. End quote. 2 Nephi 10.15, quote, Wherefore, for this cause that my covenants may be fulfilled, which I made unto the children of men, that I will do unto them while they are in the flesh. I must needs destroy the secret works of darkness and of murders and of abominations. End quote. Second Nephi 26, 22, quote, And there, also, there are also secret combinations, even as in times of old, according to the combinations of the devil. For he is the founder of these things, yea, the founder of murder and works of darkness. Yea, he leadeth them by the neck with a flaxen cord until he bindeth them with with his strong cords forever, end quote. In Alma, we find the Lord commanded some of the prophets not to write any of these secret works, especially of the secret oath, so that they would not be, be become known by the generations to follow, but that they might be warned that they do exist. Quote, this is Alma 37, 21, and 25 through 28. And now I will speak unto you concerning these 24 plates, that ye keep them, that the mysteries and works of darkness and their secret works, or the secret works of those people who have been destroyed, may be manifest unto this people. Yea, and all their murders and their robbings and their plunderings and their wickedness and abominations may be made manifest unto this people. Yea, that they preserve these interpreters. I will bring forth out of darkness in unto light all their secret works and their abominations. And except they repent, I will destroy them from off the face of the earth. Now I will bring to light all their secret abominations unto every nation that shall hereafter possess the land. And now, my son, we see that they did not repent, wherefore they have been destroyed, and thus far the word of God has been fulfilled. Yea, their secret abominations have been brought out of darkness and made known unto us. And now, my son, I command you that you retain all of all their oaths and their covenants and their agreements and their secret combinations, yea, all their signs and their wonders. You keep them, keep from this people that they know them not, lest peradventure they should fall into darkness and also be destroyed. For behold, there is a curse upon this upon all this land, that destruction shall come upon all those workers of darkness, according to the power of God, when they are fully ripe. Therefore I desire that this people might be destroyed. <clears throat> End quote. In Helaman, the name of Gadianton is introduced and becomes a descriptive throughout the Book of Mormon relative to secret combinations. Quote, Helaman 2, 34 and 8. But behold, Kishkumen, who had murdered Pehorn, did lay wait to destroy Helaman also. And he was upheld by his band, who had entered into a covenant that no one should know his wickedness. For there was one Gadianton who was exceedingly expert in many words, and also in his craft to carry on the secret works of murder and of robbery. Therefore he became the leader of band of Kishkumen. And when the servant of Helaman had known all the heart of Kishkumen, and how it was his object to murder, and also that it was his object of all those who belonged to this band to murder and to rob and to gain power, and this was their secret plan and their combination, that the servant of Helaman said unto Kishkumen, let us go forth unto the judgment seat, End quote. It was true then, as it is now, that these things were not known by the general populace or by the government. Quote, Helaman 3.23, and it came to pass in the forty and ninth year of the reign of the judges, there was a continual peace established in the land. 
All save it were the secret combinations which which Gadiant and the robber had established in the more settled parts of the land, which at the t- that time were not known unto those who were at the head of the government. Therefore, they were not destroyed out of the land. End quote. In chapter 6, we learn that in spite of the Lord's command to the prophets not to write these things, Satan is capable and always has been of revealing his secrets to his followers, just as the Lord has revealed his will to the prophets. And this is Helaman 6, 18, then 21 through 26, and 29 through 30. Quote, And now behold, those murderers and plunderers were a band who had been formed by Kishkumen and Gadianton. And now it came to pass, and how, now it had come to pass that there were many, even among the Nephites, of Gadianton's band. But behold, they were more numerous among the wicked part of the Lamanites, and they were called Gadianton robbers and murderers. But behold, Satan did stir up the hearts of the more part of the Nephites, insomuch that they did, did unite with those bands of robbers, and did enter into their covenants and their oaths, and they would protect and preserve one another in whatsoever difficult circumstances they should be placed, that they should not suffer their murders and their plunderings and their stealings. And it came to pass that they did have their signs, yea, their secret signs and their secret words, and this that they might distinguish a brother who had entered into the covenant. And whatsoever wickedness his brother should do, he should not be injured by his brother, nor by those who did belong to his band, who had taken this covenant. And thus they might murder and plunder and steal and commit whoredoms and all manners of wickedness, contrary to the laws of their country and also the laws of, of, of their God. And whosoever of those who belong to, to their band should reveal unto the world their wickedness and their abominations should be tried, not according to the laws of their country, but according to the laws of their wickedness, which had been given by Gadianton and Kishkumen. Now behold, in these oaths and covenants which Alma commanded, his son should not go forth, Unto the unto the world, lest they should be means of bringing down the people unto destruction. Now behold, these secret oaths and covenants did not come forth unto Gadianton from the records which were delivered unto Helaman. But behold, they were put into the heart of Gadianton by the same being who did entice our first parents to partake of the forbidden fruit. Yea, it is the same being who put it in the heart of Gadianton to still carry on the work of darkness and of secret murder. And he was brought forth from the beginning of man down to this time. And behold, it is he who is the author of all sin. And behold, he doth carry his works of darkness and secret murder, and doth hand down their plots and their oaths and their covenants and their plans of awful wickedness from generation to generation, according as he can get hold upon the hearts of the children of men. End quote. In light of this scripture, it is naive for us to think these things would not exist in our own generation. We know that this is the last dispensation, the dispensation of the fullness of times. Surely Satan would not pass, quote-unquote pass, on this most important dispensation. In Helaman 8.1, we learn that people in these high places were members of the Gadianton band and secret combinations. And now it came to pass that when Nephi had said these words, behold, they were men who were judges, and who also belonged to the secret band of Gadianton. And they were angry, and they cried out against him, saying unto the people, Why do ye not seize upon this man and bring him forth, that he may be contemned according to the crime which he hath done? End quote. Sorry, quote unquote. We have alleged to indicate that this is, the, this is true of people in high places today in both the church and the government who are leading this dual life. The secret combinations were mentioned all through the Book of Mormon, and Mormon 1 18 through 19, we read that these Gadianton robbers are, were still alive and well and functioning. Quote, and these Gadianton robbers who were among the Lamanites did infest the land, insomuch that, they, that the inhabitants thereof began to hide up their treasures in the earth, 
and they became slippery behold because the lord had cursed the land and they could not hold on to them nor retain them and it came to pass that there were sorceries and witchcrafts and magic and the power of the evil one was wrought upon all the face of the land even unto the filling of the words of abinadi and also samuel the lamanite end quote in Mormon 8.27, there is a prophecy that, that secret combinations will be among us in our time. Quote, and it, and it shall come in a day when the blood of the saints shall cry unto the Lord because of the secret combinations and the works of darkness. End quote. The extent of evil that mankind will perpetrate on another is told in Moroni 9.10. Quote, and after having... And after they had done this thing, they did murder them in the most cruel manner, torturing their bodies even unto death. And after they had done this, they, they devour their flesh like unto wild beasts, because of the hardness of their hearts, they do it for, the, for a token of bravery. End quote. Many of us have read this all our lives and click our tongues at how awful it would be to live in such a time. Those victims of, of with whom I have spoken testify that these things are going on all around us today. In ether we are told that they will exist among us. The Gentiles and we are also warned that <clears throat> the Gentiles, which actually is we, are also warned that we should do something about it. This is Ether eight twenty through twenty four. Quote. And now I Moroni, and I've read this before, but bears repeating because it is in the memorandum. And now I Moroni do not write the manner of their oaths and combinations, for it hath been made known unto me that they are had among all people, and they are had among the Lamanites. And they have caused the destruction of this people of whom I am now speaking, and also the destruction of the people of Nephi. And whatsoever nation shall uphold such great, such secret combinations to get power and gain until they shall spread out over the nation, behold, they shall be destroyed. For the Lord will not suffer that the blood of the saints, which shall be shed up by them, shall always cry unto him for the, from the ground for vengeance upon them. And yet he will avenge them not. Wherefore, O ye Gentiles, it is wisdom in God that these things should be shown unto you, that thereby ye may repent of your sins, and suffer not that these murderous combinations shall get above you, which are built up to get power and gain, and, and the work, yea, even the work of destruction, come upon you. Yea, even the sword of justice of the eternal God shall fall upon you to your overthrow and destruction, if ye suffer these things to be. Wherefore, the Lord commandeth you, when ye shall see these things, come upon you, that you shall awake to the sense of your awful situation because of this secret combination which shall, which shall be among you. Or woe be it unto it because of the blood of them who have been slain, for they cry from the dust for vengeance upon it and also upon the, those who build it up. End quote. In summary, we live in the last dispensation of the fullness of times, and Satan is here with his secret combinations and all the ugliness that existed in previous dispensations. The scriptures prophesy to that reality. I also believe that the scriptures cited and many others that could be quoted argue against our being passive about the problem. I don't want to be known as an alarmist or a fanatic on the issue. Now that I have put what I have learned in writing to you, I feel the issue is in the right court. I hope to take a low profile on the subject and get on with the duties which I have been formally assigned. This is not to say I will not be willing to be of service. Over the last 18 months, I have acquired a compassionate love and respect to the victims who are fighting for the safety of their physical lives and, more importantly, their souls. And that is the end of the memorandum. I want to add my own personal witness to these things. I have personally talked with about five to six, actually, people who themselves have been victims 
of SRA, Satanic Ritual Abuse. They have given their witnesses to me of the horrors that they were put through and also what they were forced to commit. I testify that that is true, that what is prophesied in the Book of Mormon is happening today, and it is closer to us than we think it is. It has, it is perpetuated and, and seed embedded and taken over many aspects of the government, but it also is within our own church. The only way to properly counteract these experiences is to hold true to Christ and his word to you. I've talked with some people who have, have gone through the process of reintegrating disassociated personalities that have been the, the result of this, this satanic ritual abuse, which they, they do to, to children from a young age. They program and use them for their purposes, um, many different purposes. Satan has very much embedded himself within the church and is doing this secretly. There has been wonderful, beautiful experiences of Christ healing these people as they've discovered what has happened and they've sought after him. And it has been very difficult because as has been stated in this memo, many of them have been conditioned to believe that Christ is ineffectual or that he has no power or that he does not care for them anymore because of what they've done. It has been very difficult for them to get over those conditioned feelings, to get past them and start realizing that the Savior is there and can heal them. There, there are more people nowadays who are becoming aware to these things and are able to help. Uh, Asia reigns. Uh, she, she is someone who has experienced these things personally. I've talked with her and she is, is starting to become a person who is helping others who've experienced these, uh, these things come to grips and reintegrate personalities and find a healthy way forward in Christ. Um, as stated in this memo it is very easy because of the nature of disassociation to assume that the people who are coming forth with these memories have false memories, but also like in this memo, when you get multiple witnesses from different independent sources of the same things, you cannot the spirit of the Lord comes upon you. And you cannot deny that these things are happening. I testify that secret combinations are active in our society, in our church. Christ is the only way to get through this. This is, this system is larger than we are by ourselves. Satan has great power. As it said, today is the day of his power. He reigns all over the earth, but he cannot account for the small and simple things that Christ and Heavenly Father have control over. I testify, and I have seen many times, that it is by small and simple things that great wickedness is brought and pulled down. It's through the light of Christ that, that these things can be changed. We know, according to Scripture and prophecy, that things are going to get worse. The wheat and the tares are going to become more separated, and these things will be shouted from the rooftops at some point. 
If any of what was said here is hard to bear or understand, I plead with you to take it to Father. As I said in the last episode, take it to him with real intent. Study it out. Read this memorandum yourself. Look into other sources of this. Hold both answers of it being correct or false equally in your hand with real intent for God to show you which is correct. And I promise you, he will tell you. It is very easy to get overwhelmed by the darkness of this and think that there is no way out. I testify that Christ is more powerful than all of these things combined. I testify that he has real servants endowed with real power on the earth today who are counteracting this as much as they can right now. And the day will come when all things are made right. But we definitely have an uphill struggle before us. I testify of his love and his grace. And with that, I ask us all to seek his face continually and say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.